The opinions expressed in the following podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide education and entertainment about the financial industry and the stock market. Enjoy. On this episode of Pennies Going In Raw, we discuss trading low floats this week in the market and Hughes portfolio allocation. Hey, yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav in the building for the Atlas crew. Atlas trading, what the fuck is up? They're traders, they're prodigies, and then there's legends. Rob, 4%, baby. No way. 4% fucking percent. Buy the fucking dip. Hey, who told me about IDEX? Like, dude, what the fuck? Like, someone just made, like, a lot more money than me on my trade. You find out, life's this game of pennies. Did you check the portfolio? Pennies. 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 The margin for error is so small. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. And they out there making money right now off of penny stocks. The two guys is putting their work to make y'all rich. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Time to think big. Pennies going in raw. Featuring Dan, Deity It Dips, and Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny Strokes, baby. This episode is brought to you by Benzinga. Benzinga is our absolute favorite resource to use when we trade. We use it for news scanners. We use it for float checkers. We use it for stocks screening we use it for just about everything including chat rooms and and much much more but that's not all they have they have youtube as well hot stocks luke every single day has great guests on ranging from ripster to mia khalifa to gary to to all the best guests you need to hear from every single day all day long so make sure to go check that out that's youtube.com forward slash benzinga and if you look in the replies to this tweet you will see how to get a discount code for Benzinga Pro. Make sure to go sign up for Benzinga Pro right now. Welcome back to another Pennies Going In Raw. Today is Sunday, July 4th. Happy 4th of July, everyone. We haven't really talked about the market in the past two weeks. We've had some interviews, so we do have some catching up on. A SPY is around 4.30, 4.31, and the swings, it seems, they get hot and then they get exhausted where are we standing with this market as of right now? Uh, I think as far... So let me first shift to like larger caps. The more the people think that the SPY is going to slow down or that the top is in, things like that, I think that that's really... like SPY could easily push another 20% from here without even any kind of pullback. When you say 20%, you know that means going to $500, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of that's kind of where like I'm thinking that's the next step between five. I think that we can make it to five fifty with almost no stopping. That would be crazy. If it, how long do you think shortest term? You know, obviously, the longer it plays out, I feel like the less likely it's going to happen. End of year or sooner for five hundred. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing it. We're going up, what, 1% to 2% a week. That'd be 10 weeks, about two and a half, three months on this pace. Yeah, I think that what we will have is like maybe a 20-point drop from here eventually. You think 400 support holds, though? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say 400 definitely holds. And that similar to 
to the elections that dip that we saw during the elections like it's a buyable it's almost an instant buy dip yeah it, it is definitely going to be interesting to see where it goes from there um but you know we're not financial advisors we can't predict the future but things that went on we usually t- do yeah yeah we're always right um <laughs> one thing that happened today that i think is you know something interesting to look at about how little you know things last how quick people are to react and stuff uh the boeing cargo plane found you know he was sleeping when this happened you know but early bird gets the worm uh boeing cargo found you know in the water it 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 actually i remember when i got the alert it was like found in the water not like crashed it was just like oh hey your plane's in the water and you saw it dip two percent and then just bought right back up not all the way back up i mean you it's it's really just reactionary, and people were just looking for something to trade on Friday. I mean, you you saw it, and it was dead a lot of time, and then there was, you know, there's one hour of the day it may be hot. Yeah, and, and that's where the difference between this market and last year's market. Both markets have given great opportunities. The difference, though, is that this year it's more about picking those right opportunities and waiting for the right opportunities. Last year, everything was the right opportunity. This year, things are still going far and they're going quick, but you have to wait for that opportunity because there is that almost downward pressure inside the small cap land that we saw. Yeah, I mean, just even going back to it, Boeing's only down 0.7% right now. So it's always, you know, it's you so got to watch. Yeah, I mean, but then again, you know, it's it's just one plane, I guess. And, and it wasn't like a passenger plane, just a cargo plane. So it's always crazy. Plane crashes are nuts. Um, do you kind of see like the regular summer market insight? You know, last year, there there was no summer market. It was just hot all year round. But, you know, usually you do kind of see it slow down. Are you kind of expecting that again this year? I think that it it won't be like last year, but I also think that there's still so much liquidity and that whole like may go away. That might be true for some funds and stuff, but not for the market that we trade. If there's still things going 200, 300, 400%, there's still so much liquidity so many opportunities to make money. That being said, on the flip side, though, um, it's probably we're probably not inside the market where you can just hold something and not know why you're holding it, what it's for. Just buy and hold, and then wake up and it's up a thousand percent. We're probably starting to move out of those days. So if you just expect to hold things and that they'll just go crazy, probably still going to get killed. But overall, there's still so much liquidity inside this market even for the summer. Do you think a lot of the reason that it has a potential to be like a hot small cap summer is because of the crazy downtrend we had that lasted like two months where there still hasn't been like the complete finished bounce? Yeah. So the the thing that we always talked about was that algorithms control so much of the market. So when those algorithms are off, the market's not going to be hot. Now, we always joked about may go away, but then I think we said back then that maybe it's instead of may go away, it's like, may we finally start going to work kind of thing. And that's pretty much what we've seen now. The small caps since may it, it's small caps have been on a tear. And I don't think that this is one of those things that, that is just going to turn off after, you know, two, three months. I think that it could genuinely be hot inside the small cap world for 
the next six months. I, I still think that it's different than what we've seen because what we've seen before was you could just hold something and wake up up 300%. Now you're still going to feel that kind of downward pressure so that if you don't, uh, so that if there's not like a catalyst in sight and there's not that buying pressure, your the stock still kind of goes down. Um, where before you could just hold it and it would pretty much stay even if not go up. Yeah, one thing I thought was super interesting about the past week was uh, sectors don't fade out. They're just straight up just ending. I mean, you saw it kind of with IPOs. We talked about them a few weeks ago, uh, kind of giving some tips on how to trade them. But I mean, that was a hot sector uh, for a couple weeks now. And then it just seemed like on Thursday, it just stopped. All the volume just drained out of them. Yeah, no, 100%. And that's that's going to be how we're going to tell if small caps are staying hot. If we're starting to see like multiple movements inside sectors, then it's obviously going to you know come down to like a supply and demand. At a certain point, if small caps go up too much, like we saw, like for instance, no one's going to want to buy um, you know CHCI at fifteen dollars a share. So at some point, people don't think that it's a good deal all the way up there. Like BN. PNGO like $12 a share. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to what Laidback said just a few weeks ago when he was saying uh, there becomes a point where to get 100% gain on a stock, you know, if you're up 300%, it's going to cause, you know, it's going to make, why would someone else try and buy it up there? For them yeah. to get the same gain, it's going to be ridiculously more uphill battle. Yeah, and if you're waiting for news and that news comes, they could just be a moment for everyone to get out of the stock. Yeah, I mean, you you see it even when people get the news they're expecting for. I think that's when it actually things play out the worst is when people are all expecting the same news. Then it comes, you see it dip a little, panic sell, gone. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So I think it'll be really interesting. But that being said, if we don't have those days where you know, three different sectors run. If we don't have days like that, then small caps can be hot all the way to Thanksgiving. Like no joke, they can have almost little chill. Um, They can just, you know, if we see like nice healthy rotations out of, you know, let's call like weed and then into EVs, there can just completely be a rotation because all of those got hit so hard for, what was it, like three months. But now, if we see just slow rotations, you know, one, two to weeks per rotation, then, you know, we've got plenty of room to be here for a while. Well, uh, one thing that, you know, I think would be interesting to talk about uh, while the market, you know, is kind of at like this kind of dull spot, you know, as we're talking. But at the same time, you know, it gets hot, it gets not. But right now, it is not one of the days where it's hot. It seems like dried up volume, nothing's really running. But what do you do in your Roth when you know the market is slow in this situation do you because I mean I'd imagine a Roth is where you'd you'd buy your swings you hold them until they go up but I mean opportunity cost is still opportunity cost regardless if it's in a Roth or not so are you playing a lot of cash in the Roth before when I was doing the Roth it was the highest quality setups only and I didn't have any large caps. It was the highest quality setups inside the Roth. I didn't want to lose money. Now I can be a little bit more forgiving with it. So for instance, you know, I'll, I'll be in four or five stocks and 
instead of like, hey, if this starts to go down immediately cutting it, I give it a little bit more breathing room where before if the stock immediately went down, I was cutting it because I, I just wanted the highest quality setups and that's it. Like I said, now I give it a little bit of breathing room and I follow a little bit bigger of a plan because my Roth is a little bit bigger. I also have some longer term stuff in there um, instead of instead of, uh, you know, just like things that are three to six weeks out. I have things that are like three to four or five years out. Okay, so you're still, you know, you still have like your core holdings, but at the same time, there's a different strategy involved. Yeah. All right. Well, kind of moving on to the meat and potatoes of this episode, we want to talk about, you know, low floats, um, trading them, what they are, uh, the risks of them, uh, getting back into a little, you know, into a little classroom setting. So I guess kind of starting off, you know, you've mentioned it before uh, with the nano float, micro float, low float. Could you give us an example of one and then maybe a stock that a lot of people know, you know, something that people trade? I know like there's a ton. So when when I think about low floats, I think that there's many different ways to skin this cat. So some people might say that a micro float is anything underneath 30 million. I personally like anything underneath 20 million as a low float. I think anything larger than 20 million isn't isn't like super thin and anything uh under 20 million is probably pretty thin. You could probably even go down to like 15 million. Uh and so what that means is that you, when you're looking at a stock, you have outstanding shares. And so that's the, the entire shares of the entire company, private, public, all of that. That's had the amount of outstanding shares. Then you got to break that down and you have things that are locked up, employee shares, institutional, and then you have your free float. And that's what retail can buy. That's, and so the, a lot of times they call that free float or the public float. And so when you're looking at those, that's usually what you're talking about when you want to talk about microcaps is what's the free float. So anything with underneath a five mil is usually a nano microcap. And that those are those are stocks that probably move up and down, you know, probably a dollar per share if someone buys the bid in the ass. Like the spread is just huge on those. And that's usually when you talk about low floats and nano floats. It's usually IPOs because before the company can dump their locked up shares, the share count is really small. Uh, one of the smallest floats I can think of is FWP. Every single time that someone calls FWP for a trade, it halts instantly. So, sorry, did you want to comment on, on that one or no? No, every time I hear FWP, I think of a pretty disgusting uh, acronym for it. And I, you know, it just puts a little grin on my face. But obviously, there's, they can be manipulated, like you were saying. Anytime someone calls it, it can halt. I mean, we saw, I remember yesterday, someone tweeted, this is a guaranteed halt. And it sure as hell, it halted right afterwards. And And they can be halted by one person. Like... Oh, yeah. If you have it, and what's weird, is that kind of weird that, you know, you can buy less than 5% because anything over 5%, you have to file 13G and it still halts it. And that it's something to think about. You only have to buy four, three, four percent of these things and you're halting it up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're halting. I mean, you could even just flash a big bid. You don't have to buy it all. You could just honestly just buy on the ask buy maybe 10% of that average daily volume, you flash that kind of a bid, you could probably halt it on that alone. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But there, there are different types. Obviously, you may want to swing some. You may want to, you may want day trade because day trading them, they're fun. They can get halted. You can try and get in. You can try and get out quick. But another thing, uh, it's also fun to swing them. And if you think, hey, this has a catalyst, and there's only a a five million float, man, this could really run. When this gets news, man, this could go from two to eight. I, you think about uh, PRPO, one of my biggest winners. It went from like 140 to $7 in one halt up. You know, things like that. Do you like to... Sw- I know I know. Bob really likes to swing some low flow bios. Do you find yourself enjoying swinging them or mainly just day trading them? No, no, swinging them. If I'm, I usually won't take it unless um, I, I'm already in it. I usually won't take it. And that's because I try and when I start to see low floaters starting to run, that's when I usually have like my, I'll call it like my basket or my arsenal, my toolbox. And I'll go to that one and I want to buy those even before anyone knows anything about them and just wait for people come and call them. Because if you're in before any, before it gets called, then, you know, you're, you, you know, I would not fly. buy these at like, definitely, 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 definitely look at the chart. And once someone calls oh, yeah. these, you're going to see a ridiculous vertical straight line. You know, you don't want to be like, ah, oh, after this halts, you know, I might have missed it before the halt, but maybe I can get in after. Yeah, you'll probably get another 20 cents after the halt. But more times than not, it seems to really just come crashing down. Oh, yeah. When is it a good time to enter one, you know, after it unhalts? You think it can have momentum mm. to keep going and keep going? Because you see, you don't see them very recently, as of recent, uh, ones that are halted damn near all day. Um, yeah. But more times than not, they seem to just drop. Yeah. The only time that I'd probably consider is if it's genuinely like really good news where I say, okay, the stock is the stock is trading at $3 share. This news easily should make it. 20 25 share because it fundamentally changes the company so for instance if the company's market caps 100 million and they get like a hundred million dollar contract i know that that should at least probably make the stock go up three times because that should make the valuation go up three times so that's the only true time that i'll actually buy a stock that's halting because I know what their fair market value is. When something just starts halting up and around, I, I don't have enough time to do my proper due diligence. And so therefore, uh, most of these guys sometimes will have uh, like a like an offering just waiting. And, and I don't want to get caught in that because an offering inside of low flow just usually means that it's just going to start halting all the way down. When you're looking to see when to enter these low floats as a swing, do you look at the chart any different than any other one solely because, you know, one bag holder can really take it down another 10%? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, what I'll usually do is that first off with low floats, I, I treat them as I can't go small enough. Like I, like I genuinely can't go small enough. I, I don't like adding to positions and I don't like my positions to be larger than like single digit percentage points on the on the entire account because most of the time I feel like uh I like I'll either wake up to down 30% or I wake up to like having like a beach house uh in gains you know and and that's and that's something that my wrist just and my stomach can't don't handle well like I don't I don't want that kind of risk yeah it's weird another thing that I think is weird is you don't really see him just randomly halting down like a guy with a shit ton of shares just yeah. trying to get out because if if I ever saw that, that'd be 
that'd be a big buy signal. You know, if, if some just halted down because some guy wanted to sell their low float stocks just because he was tired of bag holding. I couldn't even imagine that. It, there's one gift that comes to mind and it's like a bunch of like mice trying to get into the, into the door of this house. It's, yeah. it's, and it's like they all stack up against each other. That's what I imagine is that it's just like a like a massive hole. I, I just I can't even gotta imagine fill, that. You gotta fill the hole when. when yeah, I know. <laughs> um, well, kind of talking about things that halted down. ITRM. Uh, you know, a lot of people were swinging it, hoping for data. I actually got out um, whenever they delayed it a month, about a month ago or so. Didn't get back in. Uh, I heard everyone saying it was halted on news. And I was like, damn, I should have got back in. Well. Thankfully, I did not, and it dropped from in the twos to around 120 and bounced back to around 150. Do you kind of want to go over what happened there? And then also, you saw you know you saw Zach tweet that he's gonna hold on to it. There's still some hope there. Uh, what 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 is he looking for? And any any inspiration for the backholders? Yeah, uh, I, I tweet tweet something along, and I'd actually had bought ITRM on the unhalt. Um, I got fills at 105 and 112, and uh, and even though I sold them, I sold them uh, just because it was a quick, nice bounce back. I made 20 percent or 15 percent and was able to get out. It was a nice win. The biggest thing to note here is that even though this is their flagship, meaning we went over ITRM inside an earlier episode, but basically what we were saying was was that this is their make it or break it. And so if approved, they'll probably get bought out for, you know, four times the current market cap. Uh, if not approved, it's probably worth 60 cents a share. That That's what we had talked about inside the earlier episode. So it's another one of those just risky biotech kind of just, is it the same amount of risk as like a phase four data? Or phase three uh, yeah, data, yeah, well, I mean, this this is what, yeah, I mean, this was make it or break for them. They they would be worth sixty cents a share without approval. But so, and that's the thing is that right now they have that Padufa date for three weeks from now, and the common misconception is, and they should have put out a press release about this, is that yesterday the FDA let the company know that they have an issue with their marketing and labeling. Okay, so the important thing there is that it's not the final decision, meaning that they failed. Okay, this isn't the FDA saying that they failed. This is the FDA saying, hey, we have an issue with this. So now the company is going to go back to the FDA, figure out what the issues are, and try and fix it before the 21st. Now, we don't know this yet, but there's a chance that it gets moved back. I would probably assume that it gets gets moved back three to four months. But even still, if anything, this makes the case stronger for ITRM inside the long run because the FDA is saying, "Hey, we don't necessarily we don't have an issue right now with your safety of the drug. We want your labeling differently, and that can be something as simple as uh, you know adding a side effect." Or something, or 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 you know, they want them to word something a little differently, and that's that's fine. So I think that that overall, in the long run, if you're an investor, this is a, gives a really good opportunity on a dip because there is a chance that that it'll come out saying that it's delayed, and I think on that dip there gives a huge opportunity. We'll see, but I think that that there's a viable opportunity if they if they move back. Well, 
One thing we did want to talk about was your portfolio allocation. We said if we sold out our 4th of July shirts in 90 minutes, that you would read off your portfolio, what you have, where you have it, why you have it. I want it all. We want the catalyst. We, you know, my my portfolio is usually empty going into the night as uh, I am a I'm a thief in the night. I, I go in and I go out. So <laughs> you, you stay in for the long ride. You're in it for the relationship. So let us hear it. Yes, sir. Okay. So I'm going to give my big portfolio and then what I have inside my Roth. I'll give the stock, the allocation, and the average price and kind of some thoughts on it. So first up, we have everybody's favorite, ALZN. And so my average price on it is 1083. It was trading at, I believe, so it got pretty low. It got it got really low on Thursday. Um, I mean, that was that was a horrible day. It got all the way down to like the eats or something and now it's at 730 oh nice so right after we drop a podcast it drops 50 percent. that's uh par for the yeah. course if there's yeah, a ceo yeah, yeah. that would like to uh reverse the curse you know we're over five so if if we interview a ceo you short that shit <laughs> um so so i'm down a good amount and i know that i said that my stop loss was at eight but now i feel like <laughs> i really just don't feel like there's a ton of risk from this point um, obviously it didn't go how I wanted to. Uh, I really thought that 12, 12 was really super, super hard, uh, resistance and we couldn't get through there. Um, not even, and I mean, the news didn't do anything. I thought the news was going to be the thing that was, uh, going to ignite us. So it is what it is. So that's my thoughts on ALZ. And I probably will have a stop on this one. Not sure. Um, probably maybe like six. 50 or something, 630, something like that. Or until I get bored with it. Sometimes I cut some of the swings because I just get bored with them. Uh, they're not doing much and, and you know, I want to cut them. So moving on, I have P-O-A-I. And I bought this one not too long ago. My average price is 122. Currently, right now, it is sitting at 120 and I have, and I have a bid on 120. The allocation is 12.2% of the current portfolio. And the reason that I have this one is because I feel the market cap is really small. They have a pretty good upcoming catalyst. And I'm looking forward to this one. I think this one can, get, can be one of those slow grinders where it kind of like breaks out over 135, 140. And it just kind of, it just kind of starts like a slow, gradual um, build. Um, I really, this isn't one that I have huge high conviction on. Maybe I'll have a stop loss at like 105, something like that. Um, just let this breathe a little bit. I don't know too much about it, but I liked what I saw. So I took 12% of the portfolio. I won't even add to it. I'll just have a uh, stop on it. Next up is N-E-A-N-Y. And I have 8.25% of the portfolio in any with an average price of 272. It's trading at 273. So that's right at my price. They have a Q3 merger that is going to run up into it. They have a lot of cash. And if I'm correct, I believe that Amazon is thrown around a lot with any. So I've just been eyeing this one a lot. It got hit on a dip and it was starting to trend back up and I decided to take like a flyer. So it's 8%. Uh, next up is ship. 
My average price is 117 on this and I have 21.4% of the portfolio in it. Um, and and, so and by the way, this is this is not his whole portfolio. This is just the money he has on the streets. He doesn't have his full yeah. portfolio in. I don't know if you said that, but <laughs> no, I, I will. I will. Yeah, that's a good point. Is that uh, this is 100% of the holdings that I have. Uh, I'm I'm holding a good amount of cash. So, yeah, that's it. Okay, so ship. Uh, like I said, I have 21.4% of the portfolio at 117, and it is currently trading at 108. So I am down a good buck in ship. I do think that ship will get hot. There is a guy that I follow pretty closely on um, Bloomberg, and he's a really good analyst about you know these Baltic indexes, and he is pretty adamant about his about his uh, theory and his thesis, and that was good enough for me. So I'm gonna hold ship. I'll probably have a stop loss at like one or something, and uh, if it starts going my way, I'll scale into it. If not, then I'll just get stopped out of it. And that'll be that. It'll be a ooh, that'll be a nice little loss. But uh, that's what we'll, that's what we're gonna do with ship. Uh, let's see. Oh, next up we have Genus. Genus. I have twenty two point six eight percent of the portfolio, and so my average price on Genus is one ninety six. It's down to one seventy seven. So I'm also down a good buck in Genus as well. And what I'm doing with Genus is. The CEO was hinting at a lot of catalysts. He was hinting at a, you know, Stanley's ultimate premiere. Uh, you know, I know that they had news for like Chuck E. Cheese Fourth of July or something. Um, that's not the news that I'm looking for. But I think that this one, if it can get back over two, can start running. Um, like I said, I'm in at 196. I probably have a stop loss in at like 160, 165. Um, I won't hold this one down. This is one of those like, you know, when it starts to run, it really likes to run. Um, and that's what I'm going to do with Genos. Next up, we have Wish. And I have 28.3% of the portfolio in at 10.89. And Wish, I'm just holding. I'll hold that one down. It's a high conviction swing for me. And that's how I'm playing Wish. And then finally, I have Game, G-A-M-E, 8.25% of the portfolio. My average price right at 12. A game, I think the market cap is really cheap comparative to what they're going to do. They're going to try and go after DraftKings and, and Sportsbook and stuff and, uh, you know, licensing agreements and take them to court. So that alone is a good story and they have a small float. And I feel that their market cap is really small. When they're trying to go after billions in patent infringement and the market cap is barely $100 million, that that's a pretty good story that can that can ignite one of these things and it goes to like 30 40 50 okay and so as far as the big portfolio those are all my positions like i said i have a good amount of bid in cash this is really just what i have on the street right now i haven't found a swing that i love in a while like love love in a while to where like i'm ready to put like another 30% of my account in it or you know i mean add another like you know 25 30% of the account um now I'm going to go into the Roth. So the way that I've been treating the Roth is that I have some large caps in there, but as far as the small caps that I have inside the Roth, it's WWR, Vissel, S-E-L-B, and ADAP, A-D-A-P. And so they basically take up about 50% of the account. Uh, Vissel and SELB, S-E-L-B being the majority of those. 
Bissell is like 25% of the entire account. Um, and then, then like I said, it's SELB, WWR, and ADAP. I really like these ones for the future. I think that they have good, good balance sheets um, and that they have a really good story, but I'm not going to hold these inside my swing account for three years. So I really like those the most. I, in addition, I also have Amazon inside this account, MasterCard, Visa, Microsoft, and maybe about 10% in cash. And that's it. Nice, dude. So you got anti-cash and cash. Respect. Uh, yeah, boy. Dude, have you heard about Bitcoin? No, what? They, it's decentralized. You probably don't know what that means, but like it basically means like the government can't do shit about it. So like it's no. super. Yeah, actually. Um, and it's super lit. It's like hashtag the future. And I don't know, maybe you should invest in it. Just a thought. <laughs> A few things uh, to go over to kind of wrap up this episode after Hugh gave us his beautiful portfolio allocation. We did just shop the 4th of July merch, which is why he did that. So thank you guys to everyone that supported. The shirts obviously are not there yet because you were hearing this on the 4th of July, but you can wear them next year. And that's awesome. And also, they're also really good to wear year round as well. You know, be patriotic all the time. Uh, We have another merch drop coming in about Two weeks or so uh, for pennies going in raw one year anniversary. Kind of insane that it has been one whole year since we started this. Uh, But, you know, I'll save all the sappy shit for uh, that episode. Um, But we do want to have a crazy ass July. Great guest. We're talking the PJs, Zach's Ripsters, uh, the Goblin Gang. We want everyone. We want to have just banger after banger after banger. And we really support all you guys, you know, sticking through it. The year's a long-ass time. And to the people that have rode with us from the beginning, that is awesome. And we can't thank you enough. But, yeah, we do have more merch coming out. Big shout-out to uh, Christian and Vinny. Uh, they make the merch. They, they ship the merch. They do it all. Uh, big help from them. None of it's possible without them. But, uh, yeah, guys, it is uh, the 4th of July. I hope everyone had a great 4th of July weekend. And make sure to enjoy your Monday off. Sorry it's a short episode, but your boy's got to go to the beach. So make sure to rank us five stars, rate us five stars, give us that like on Spotify. We love you all. Oh, wait, we do have one more thing because I forgot to do this. And that's give away the Netflix subscription from a few weeks ago. Uh, Oh, yeah. So I'm actually going to do that right now, live, as I just remembered. So... Um, thank you guys for being patient and no one saying that we're scam artists for not doing it because we're not scam artists. All right. And I'm browsing, 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 browsing. And I see Ginger Beard Man at Goma649. Ginger Beard Man, you DM me. You get one year of Netflix. Thank you for the retweet. Thank you for the review. Thank you for all of that. We really appreciate it. And we will see you guys next week. Go and roll this weekend, boys.